0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the Thursday podcast. We have a real privilege today. Have Brother Ronnie sculpting with us. Brother Ronnie got saved last year. God's called him to preach. And I said, what better training ground than sitting behind a microphone, staring at an empty wall with the Word of God in your hand, preaching to nobody, and sitting behind the microphone. What a great training ground for Brother Ronnie. Brother Ronnie, I'm glad you're here. You go ahead and you take over the microphone and you just preach what God has given you for us today. Thank you, Tim. Uh, It is a privilege to...
1: I have the opportunity to speak to you folks and I pray that this would be a blessing for you and that you would come closer to Christ because of it. I just want to talk to you right now about where I came from. I want to give you my testimony. I have a unique testimony. I'm not a person that grew up in church. I'm not a church person, although I did go to different churches growing up. So I guess I should just start at the beginning. When I was a young child, uh, my parents divorced uh, before I even knew what divorce was, I was a toddler. I learned about hate and distrust and deceit and uh, all the wickedness before I even knew what it was. As a young child, I was not attended to very well. Uh, I went and did what I pleased. I remember at about four years old having to teach myself to ride a bike. And uh, at five years old, I was going to the public swimming pool by myself and crossing the city streets and going to the city park where there were uh, wicked people who Taught me wicked things. I was sexualized by the time I was about five years old uh, by people who were close to me and by strangers. And uh, uh, for everybody out there, I just want you to take note that that was uh, 40 some years ago. And the attempt of the world to put sexualization on your children today is an all time high. Well, cautioned to watch out for your children because the world is out there and they want to sexualize them because that's the easiest way for those children to be hurt and brought into uh, Satan's kingdom. I went to uh, various religious schools at a young age. I was put in the Catholic kindergarten and, and Catholic first grade. And uh, as uh, we traveled uh, in the military to um, Germany, we had a, a chapel there and uh, there were Different services. One hour, it would be the Catholic service, and I put on a white robe and I attended to the priest. They called me an acolyte. And the next service would be a Methodist service, and I would stay there and uh, listen to the stories. And the next service would be a Baptist service, and I would stay there. And because they gave out cookies and in the downstairs, I can see from a very early age that God was drawing me and wooing me to Him. However, I hated God because of the situation that I grew up in. When I was about 16 years old, I was involved in a farming accident, and I hurt my back. I hurt my back pretty bad. Uh, at age 16, doctors began giving me narcotic painkillers, and at the same time, I began consuming alcohol. At a very early age, I had some very good drug dealers, and all their names were doctor. At about 18 years old, I met the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in my life. Her name is Amy. Her father was a Baptist evangelist. A fundamental Baptist evangelist. Within a few months, he had run me through the Romans Road. I prayed the prayer and I got saved. I got saved for uh, three whole days. I prayed that prayer and it did nothing for me. Not too long afterwards, I changed Amy's last name to Skolton, thinking that marrying her was going to be the uh, have all of life. Yeah, I love that woman so much and I, and I still do. However, uh, Amy Skolton was not the savior that I was needing. Not long into our marriage, we were expecting my first daughter, Chelsea, and I had just had my first back surgery. Uh, We had a waterbed, and I wasn't able to lay in bed with my wife, as being having surgery, so I laid on a couch, and I laid on a couch about 11.30 at night, and I wondered to myself, how will I take care of a family? My wife and the child coming, I wasn't quite 22 years old, and I knew that I was going to be in a downward spiral of of physical health because of the destruction of my back I figured I would go to God and talk to God and ask him the question and I I know surely the answer was with God but however at that point in time my question was wrong so I went and I kneeled beside my bed and I prayed a prayer something like this I said dear God I know I've done a lot of terrible things and I don't even deserve to speak to you but you sent your son to die for those things so that and I stopped something happened Something changed. I immediately was audibly uh, heard the words, old body, old body, old body out. And I felt an energy from the top of my skull go down through my body and exit the soles of my feet. Then I heard audibly, new body, new body, new body in. And I felt an energy come through the bottom of my soles and fill up me to the top of my head. And I felt something, a power, a hand, if you will, reach inside my chest and do something on the inside of me. I had the impression immediately that I was saved. I got very excited. I didn't know what to do. I woke my wife up, and I told her what just happened. I told her about praying. I told her about hearing these words in my mind, in my head, uh, in my ears, rather. And I told her about the physical experience that I had, and I told her I had just been saved. She was very excited. We got on the phone. It was 1130 at night, and we called her dad, and we told him what had happened. And he got very excited himself. He was just... Uh, overjoyed that Ronnie had just gotten saved. So I went out into the living room and I sat down and I took a Camel non-filter cigarette and I lit it up and I looked at it and I looked at my wife and I said, I don't smoke anymore. And I put it out and I quit smoking on the spot with no trouble. I got rid of my homemade booze. I ripped up my marijuana plants. I took all my concert t-shirts on my rock and roll and we burned them. I got a haircut. I went to my local... Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and I got baptized, and I joined the church. People were ecstatic. They loved to hear my testimony. The only problem was, I was lost. I like to tell people I was lost as a polar bear in the Amazon jungle. But you know what? Nobody knew it. The pastor didn't know it. The evangelist didn't know it. The deacons didn't know it. I didn't know it. Everybody was just enthralled with this magic trick, charismatic, uh, emotional, physical uh, experience that I had, and we called it salvation. You see, the problem is, the Bible says in Isaiah 14, 14, that the devil says, I will be like the Most High. The devil wants to be like Jesus Christ. He can't be Christ, but he wants to be like Jesus Christ. So he impersonates Jesus Christ, and he does a very good job at it. He's so good at it that he convinces people they're saved when they are not. One of his favorite tools is the gospel of heaven. It starts out like this. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? You see, i would heard the gospel of heaven so often I believed it and didn't even know it. But that is not the gospel that we need to hear. That is not the gospel that saves. That's a trick of the devil impersonating Jesus Christ. And that damnable prayer at the end of those tracks you see, will you pray this prayer so you can be saved, Friend, if you will search your Bible, you will not find anywhere where God, Jesus Christ, Peter, Paul, any of them, told a person they needed to pray a prayer to be saved. The Bible says, in order to be born again, you must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I had prayed uh, to this God, and obviously I didn't pray to the real God, I prayed to the God of this world without knowing it. I said, God, you know, I've done a lot of terrible things. The devil whispered in my ear, Ronnie, that's repentance. And I said, I know I don't deserve to speak to you. Um, And the devil whispered into my ear, that's admitting that you need Christ. The devil whispered in my ear that when I said, God, I've done a lot of terrible things and I don't deserve to speak to you, that that was repentance. Well, the truth is, that wasn't repentance. And when I said, "Uh, I know that you sent your son to die for those things, but that was belief in Jesus Christ. Well, that wasn't belief in Jesus Christ. And that bang, that change... That uh, knowledge that I had just been saved, that was actually the devil sweeping in and claiming to be Jesus Christ. So, to shorten things down a little bit, over the next 25 years, I went from pastor to pastor, from church to church, uh, from person to person, um, trying to figure out why my life was so terrible. Uh, And the people would tell me, the pastor would tell me, Ronnie, you know, have you been reading your Bible enough? Have you been tithing? Have you been soul winning? Have you been passing out tracks? Have you been knocking on doors? You see, because um, I learned that in the fundamental circles I ran around in, if you're a spiritual person, you'll be knocking on doors. You'll be passing out tracks, You'll be witnessing to every person you see. And that overrides true spirituality. And I come to the question that if true spirituality is knocking on doors and passing out tracks, and that proves that you're a Christian and you're right with God, how about uh, people in China or Iraq, how are they spiritual people? Because they can't get away with that and they're pain of death. So anyways, moving on, I even went to Bible school. I got kicked out of Bible school. The answer wasn't uh, with these people. Uh, the answer wasn't in Bible school. The answer wasn't passing out tracts. The problem was I had never sought God. In the beginning, when I thought I was seeking God, what I was looking for was a job. I wanted to take care of my family. And the devil deceived me. But that's what the devil does. He deceives the whole world. About uh, 25 years into this, I had been uh, through everything. Um, My favorite drugs to abuse were uh, cocaine and marijuana. I would do 100 Benadryls in a night. I got to a place where... I, w- I was at the end of myself. I was ready just to drink every day and, 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 and go and just sit under a bridge or sit down by the river and, and just drink the day away and not think about anything. I couldn't stand my wife. More accurately, I hated my wife. The woman that I married and I loved so much and thought was going to change all my problems, I hated her. But the truth was I wasn't hating her and I wasn't hating me. I was hating God. I hated the position that I was in. I hated the life that I was living and I didn't know what to do. I did know, however, that the answer was in the King James Bible. I just didn't know how to find the answer. So for one, uh, uh, one moment in time, I got on the internet and I decided I'm going to find a King James Bible that I can download and listen to while I sleep. And uh, at that place I came to where there was a Bible, I seen the name of a preacher. His name was John Asquith. And I thought, I'm going to send this preacher a question. I was probably intoxicated at the time. I was high or on on alcohol because I was always under the influence of some chemical to anesthetize a thing that was my life. So I sent this man a question. It was kind of a cocky question. And he sent me back kind of a cocky answer. I never expected that from a preacher. But I do remember something very important. I had that question written down on my computer and I sat there and I stared at my computer screen and I stared at my keyboard and I thought, should I push enter or should I push delete? And it seemed like that was a long time that I sat there. It seemed like it was an hour, but the truth is it was probably only two or three minutes But I pressed enter. Bless God, I pressed enter. And I met this man, John Asquith, and he brought me to this church in Black Creek. And I heard the King James Bible taught and preached properly. For the first time in 25 years, I sat here for a year and a half thinking I was saved and how great it was to be in the house of God as a saved person hearing the Bible properly preached. But about a year and a half in hearing the word of God properly preached, the Holy Ghost said to me very gently, Ronnie, you're lost. I ignored it. I tried to ignore it for a long time. And then the preacher would preach and another preacher would come in and they just all preach the Bible properly. And eventually I had to say to myself and to God, I am lost. I don't have this new birth. I don't have what these people have. I have not been changed. I've not been transformed. Everything's not become new with me. I went to my pastor and told him I was lost. And he said, I was kind of thinking that, Ronnie. So over the next uh, couple of months, I slowly began to diligently seek for God. At first, I didn't do anything. It was kind of a relief that I wasn't saved. It was an excuse to jump deeper into sin. As I said earlier, I would take over 100 pills a night. I would take 30 pills. You might think I'm exaggerating when I say I take 100 pills or I took 100 pills a night because that would kill three or four people. But that was the depth of sin that I was involved in. That's how how hard uh, the devil had played on to me and I played into it. Anyways, I would take 100 pills a night. I would start out with 30 or 40 pills and I would wait for a rush to kick in. And I knew that the that the pills, that the drugs, that the alcohol were a barrier between God and I. And I could not stop it. In my own will, in my own power, I could only stop for a couple of three days. I think one time I might have went two weeks, I stopped. But then I would go back to it. I was powerless to the power of those drugs. They had me in a death grip. And I assure you, I was on my way to the eternal death. I knew that I had to break these drugs and I couldn't do it. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, when I do these drugs every night, and I mean every night, would you please put hymns in my head to convict me about these drugs? The Lord heard my prayer and the Lord did what I asked him to do. I would take my pills, my spin would start to kick in, and then the music would start and I hated it. I absolutely hated it because I loved my sin. I loved it so much that even as I asked God to take it away from me, I wanted to indulge in it. Listen, sin has a power that is beyond human ability to beat. I couldn't beat it. But those hymns, they just kept playing and playing. And I would get high and the hymns would play. And I would sober up. And in the morning, I would tell God, God, I'm sorry for doing those drugs. And I would get high again that same night. After a few months of this, the Lord got tired of Ronnie and being a hypocrite, being a fraud, saying one thing and not meaning it. And he made it very clear to me, if you don't stop doing these drugs, I'm going to stop doing, putting these hymns in your head. What he was saying to me is, Ronnie, listen, I'm ready to draw a line with you. You're the man up, and you act, and you, and you behave, and you do what you say, and you get rid of these drugs so that I can deal with you. Or I'm just going to turn you over, and I'm not going to deal with you all. And listen, that terrified me. I've never been more scared in my life. As an 18-year-old young man, I had a police officer put a pistol on the side of my face, and he was ready to blow my head off. And I was more scared at this point in time when I knew that God was ready to be done with me. Before that, I had had a fear of hell, but I'd never had a fear of God. And at this point now, I had a fear of God. It wasn't long after that, as I'd been reading my Bible, that God gave me the understanding of a verse, John 3.20. All they that do is evil, hate is the light, may their comments of light, lest their deeds should be reproved. I was so excited. God was working repentance in me. I didn't know what to do. I sent a text message to a couple of my three best friends. And I told them I understand a, a passage of scripture for the very first time. God revealed himself to me. And it's been a, a, a journey forward ever since. I wasn't saved yet. Then God was able to begin the work of repentance in me for real. Repentance for me wasn't this quick little thing where I said, God, I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. Repentance for me was a horrible, torturous thing. God peeled me like an onion for the next three or four months. He showed me things about myself that were horrible, that were terrible. Things that I told my children didn't exist. He showed me that I didn't love my family. I said to my family, I love you so much. And you know what the truth was? That I didn't even know how to love. I had no idea what love was. I came to a place at Youth Week. Uh, two years ago, now Youth Week. And uh, I, got, I, I punched my son in the face. My adult son. God used that instance to show me something about myself. He showed me that I was evil. And in my very innermost part, I was sin. That hurt me in a way that I can't explain to anybody. But God knows how that hurt me. But I had to look at God and he showed me that. And I had to say, God, you know what? That's what I really am. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to admit to myself. Because I had to admit it in the face of the Holy God. A few days later, my friend Dale Morey was preaching a message. And in the message, he said, You believe the Bible and you believe God that you're lost and on your way to hell. What's keeping you from believing the Bible and God that you can be saved and on your way to heaven? And in that instant, something clicked inside of me. God gave me belief. I believed. I was changed. And moments later, down at lunch, I told my friend Dale, I said, Dale, I said, I'm going to pop right now. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to pop. He said, well, Ronnie, get to popping. (laughs) If you knew Dale, that'd be really funny. He looked at me and said, Ronnie, your countenance has just changed. I have no idea what he means by that, but I know that I was changed and I've never been the same since. Now, I look back at this. For 25 years, I listened to men of God. Maybe they weren't men of God. Maybe they were deceived. I believe there's a lot of men of God running around out there who are prophesying who aren't really men of God. They've set themselves apart, like Jude said. They're not set apart by God. But for 25 years, these men told me I was saved when I just needed to do tithing or read my Bible more or read this book more. But I was lost. By the grace of God, he landed me at Black Creek Baptist Church where I heard the King James Bible properly preached. And now I am a born-again sermon of God. I'd like to thank the Daily Doctrine Podcast and Tim McVeigh for allowing me to share my testimony with you. I hope it blesses you. God bless you all. There is a lost soul who is tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries
0: for forgiveness for your there was redemption, peace where all not. there only was stride.
1: Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come
0: home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the
1: glorious song of the redemption.